This is our number three of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each Sunday we get together, we talk about the news of the week, the events of our lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. And as of tonight, we're doing so nationwide on 20 different radio stations. You can hear us over the air in 13 of the top 28 markets in the United States of America. You can find out more at our website, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com. Leah, we've got a ton to get to in hour number three. I'm going to try to get to it all if possible, but I would be remiss if we didn't at least mention in our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016 what's going on on the Democratic side, because something interesting happened, and I don't want to talk about uh, Hillary Clinton's emails, even though there's always developments there, uh, until I, I really believe there's going to be an indictment or unless and until there's a, an email of her dissing Beyonce or Taylor Swift, uh, which would really <laughs> the make a difference. chances are we'll never talk about it again. <laughs> right. I mean, the, and, unless and until I see something that's really going to make a huge impact that next year, um, you know, I'm going to not be so focused on that. But what I found most interesting this week, I don't know if you agree with me or not, is that we learned that apparently that that story of Joe Biden being told by his son on his deathbed to run for president. Remember that story? Oh, yeah. Did you hear about what we learned this week? Well, that he's the one that, quote, leaked it. Yes. But, I mean, I don't understand why that's such a big deal, because I would have told somebody, hey, my son wanted me to run. No, no, no. That's a huge deal. And here's why it's a huge deal. Because if we're trying to figure out, first of all, what Joe Biden's mindset is, as well as what makes Joe Biden tick as a potential president, it's incredibly significant. And I believe that this story is true. And the reason why I believe it's true is, one, it fits with who we know what Joe Biden, Joe Biden is. But number one, because he can't keep his mouth shut about anything. Number two, um, Maureen Dowd, who wrote the column to my knowledge, didn't push back against the story. She didn't confirm it, but she didn't. She could have pushed back if it was false, and I'm unaware if she that she pushed back. So, I'm I tend to believe that the story. But here's where the story is really important. It's not just that Biden was the source of the my son told me on his deathbed to run for president. The really key part, and this is less. I'm less sure that this is true because this could have come from the Clinton people who were trying to to poison the well against Joe Biden. But according to the story that came out this week, the Biden story has changed significantly every time he's told it. In other words, the the time, the location, the mm-hmm. circumstances surrounding his son telling him this have changed. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you the story isn't it's true. It's a lie. Yeah, and you know, when he first said that, or when we first found out that that had been said, it did seem odd. I agree with you. It did, but, you know, who's to... See, my BS detector is always immediately alerted whenever <laughs> there's something that's said that everyone would be afraid to question, right? Cause who's, oh, yeah, that's true. That's who, true. Who's going to question a guy about <laughs> what his son said on his deathbed? I mean, even if, no it's, one. even if it sounds like total bullcrap, you're never going to question that. So immediately, true. instinctively, I'm like... 
Hmm, that might be bullcrap because because <laughs> no one's gonna question that. But it just what, sounded odd. But Dad, listen, I, I just I'm just not sure about that. Right, but when if again this is this, I'm less certain of this element of the story that came out this week because you know that could be the Hillary people and it could be. Maybe, you know, let's face it, Joe's not that bright. You know, maybe some of the details changed by accident. Joe is a serial—I view Joe very much like I view Brian Williams. He is a serial exaggerator who's, oh, yeah. who, is, who is famous enough to where he believes his own BS. And so, you know, the story might have changed enough where he actually—he told it enough to people in his own circle that no one, you know— said, Joe, are you sure that's what really happened? No one does that because he's Joe Biden. He's vice president. So once you tell it, this is what happened to Brian Williams. Once you tell it two or three times and no one corrects you. Yeah, keep on. You start to think it's true. (laughs) So that's possible. But it's also very possible that we now have, we, we certainly have the best evidence yet that it, if Joe Biden isn't going to run for president, he wants to because you don't proactively tell that story and potentially right. make it up unless you're laying the groundwork to run. And what you're doing is you're basically trying to, to, to sow the field so that some plants will grow and people will start to beg you to run. Save Correct. us from Hillary, Joe. Save us. And there's been some of that, but not enough. Not a, no, he, his poll numbers just really just can't get up there. Well, see, this is it's interesting you say that, Leah, um, because it's all about what your perspective is on that. I mean, he's unannounced, obviously. So and, is Scott and, Walker. Right, right. And so, but I, no, look, I'm agreeing with you. But see, the media doesn't know how to deal with that, really. So is he is he not beating Hillary because he's unannounced? I don't think so. I agree with you. I think when you consider the the, the sympathy uh, that is with him because his son dying, the fact that he's the you know the new it's hard to think of Joe Biden as the new guy, but exactly. you know, but, but you know he hasn't announced yet, so he's kind of fresh meat, right? So yeah. and and there's a clearly a Hillary fatigue factor. So when you when you consider all of that, there ought to be some polls showing Biden beating Hillary. Right. There should be. If, yes. If if he, if he had if he was really viable, there would be a poll out there somewhere, and Drudge would be touting it. I can guarantee you, show, showing <laughs> Biden beating Hillary, and we haven't seen that. And and by the way, it would be even easier for that to happen because you got this you know socialist nut job Bernie Sanders taking twenty to thirty percent <laughs> of the vote. So so the fact that we haven't had one poll yet. Where this sympathetic figure, who's you know the potentially fresh, exciting act in this play, hasn't beaten Hillary, I don't see it happening. And I, I and, mean, it just it's a little late, don't you think? Oh, it's way late. It's way late okay. logistically. It's way late. Yeah. I, I told I, I don't know if you remember this. I said that if if he didn't get in right after Labor Day, it was too late. And um, and unless something you know, unless there was an indictment of Hillary, or unless Barack Obama said publicly, Joe, you're my guy. And if you parse the statements of Obama, I don't know what he said on 60 Minutes tonight, because it aired here on the West Coast during the program, but apparently he was asked about Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. But previous statements by Obama and the administration, 
certainly are consistent with they're on Hillary's side right now. They're Which not even is just amazing to me. They're they're not giving any indication that they're ready to dump Hillary for for Biden, and that's what it would take. That's what it would take for Biden to be the nominee, and I don't see that happening. I think he's begging to be drafted, and I. Don't think the draft is going to come hard enough for him to be able to pull this off. That doesn't mean, by the way, he's not going to announce. He's He's delusional (laughs) enough. He really is. He's so just inept and delusional. But, you know, all Barack Obama has to do is say, hey, uh, Loretta Lynch, yeah, I need an indictment over here. No, no, no. Obama, I've always said, I've said for months. Obama has the power to make this happen yes. if he oh, wanted yes. to. But Immediately. I, I, I just I don't see that happening yet. All right, anyway, so I, I wanted to at least mention that. When we come back, uh, enough of the directly political stuff. i, I got to talk about some issues regarding illegal immigration and specifically what happened at last night's United States-Mexico soccer game, not far from where I'm broadcasting from here, uh, north of Los Angeles, and a whole bunch of other things, mainly California insanity is going to be the theme of the rest of the program on the John and Leah show on the free speech broadcasting network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. And uh, one of the many issues on which we agree, although I think we probably disagree slightly, I'm sure she'll tell me momentarily, (laughs) about uh, what to do about it, is uh, illegal immigration. Uh. Um, I'm in the camp of uh, illegal immigration is a giant cancer on this country. Yes, but, it is. but the cancer has gotten um, into the lymph nodes and um, and throughout the rest of the body. And if we uh, first of all, we won't have the we don't have the guts uh, to do the operation. But if we did, let's say Donald Trump, you know, through his magic, uh, becomes president. And so somebody with the guts actually did the operation. Uh, the patient would die. Uh, that's my view. Uh, now yeah, there, I don't agree with that. I, I, I didn't think you would. Um, but, uh, now that doesn't, I guess, you know, there are certain, I guess you could theoretically save parts of the patient, you know, parts of the country could be saved still to this day. But I, my guess is, uh, that that will never happen because see here's what happens with illegal immigration. Uh, it happened here in California. And I think you probably will agree with me. This is happening in parts of the South now where by the, it starts off as a small nuisance, and because people are afraid to criticize anybody with you know pigmentation in their skin, anybody mm-hmm. with political correctness protection, and that's what you know anybody who is Hispanic or Mexican or minority speaks Spanish, they they get that they 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 have political correctness protection. So because there's a a fear of being anti PC, and everyone thinks well it's an annoyance, but it's not going to destroy us. Everyone lets it fester. Yes. And then it festers. And then all of a sudden, one day, like the cancer, it's taken over your whole body. And there's nothing you can do about it now. uh, Because now it runs the show. And that's what's happened here in California. Uh, You know, the critical moment here in California was there was Prop 187, which got passed, which would have, in my view, if implemented properly, would have maintained California as the golden state. That's right. But it got eviscerated by the courts. No one properly defended it. 
Uh, everyone ran away from it because it was deemed to be racist, even though it was sanity. It wasn't. And now California is dead. Yes. And and the proof that California is dead is if we needed any further proof uh, occurred last night. Um, last night, the United States played Mexico in a critical elimination soccer game. And the Rose Bowl was the site of the game, which technically is in the United States. It is in Pasadena. It's an American icon, the Rose Bowl. Uh, It was packed with over 90,000 fans. Depending on who you believe, about 70 to 80,000 of them were fervent Mexico fans. Yep. Now, there are those who will rationalize this. By the way, Mexico won the game. Uh, When they won the game, the crowd reaction was literally no different than if the game had been played in Mexico City. If you don't believe me, go to YouTube. I posted a video of it. No one's really seen it because I didn't post it very well. But if you you search on YouTube, allegedly American crowd in Pasadena, (laughs) quote-unquote American, uh, reacts to the Mexico-USA soccer game, I think you'll be able to find it. I think you'll agree with me. Uh, so the, the, the reaction was extraordinary. It was as if it was Mexico City. Now, the reaction, re- rationalization I hear, Leah, is, well, John. Oh, John. <laughs> they're just rooting for, for a team. It's just like Italians or Irish rooting for the Irish or Italian team, uh, you know, because they have sympathy for their homeland. They're not really... Uh, you know, their hearts really aren't with Mexico. They really do believe that they're part of the United ha. States. Ha. Yeah, well, again, th- that's absurd because there's a, there's a number of reasons why that's absurd. First of all, there's a language issue. Amen. <laughs> that, and so I guarantee you that, that 70 to 80,000 of those people, their primary language was Spanish. That's number one. Um, number two, uh, if let's say... Italy, since there's obviously a language barrier there, um, you know, in theory. Let's say Italy was playing the United States in New York City or Philadelphia. We're on in both yes. of those markets. There's a huge Italian population in both of those cities. There is not a chance in the world <laughs> that the majority of the crowd would be fervently, openly rooting for Italy, waving Italian flags and speaking Italian. During Correct. The, it, it would not be that way. There, no. there, there is zero chance of that. Yep. And uh, here, you know, and by the way, you know, this is Pasadena. This isn't, um, you know, just across the border, even in San Diego, which is just across the border. This is, we're fairly north now, and this is this is a home game for Mexico, mm-hmm. and nobody in the news media will mention this. Nobody. Well, there's no assimilation, no. A, and, and B, there's no reason to do it because the schools are all forced to assimilate to the language of the foreigners as opposed to vice versa. I want to pick up on that point when we come back because my wife is a public school teacher and uh, her experience with this is very much in keeping with what you just said on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
You're listening to the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And we've been talking about uh, the issue of illegal immigration and, and the symbolic significance of what happened last night just outside of Los Angeles where the United States lost a key soccer game, allegedly at home, uh, to Mexico. And it was clearly a Mexican home game. Uh, which Mexico ended up winning in uh, extra time, and Leah, the last in the end of the last segment, you mentioned this issue of the the schools, and specifically yeah. here in California, how the issue of assimilation is is is. Let me put it this way: that those who are here illegally and don't speak English are enabled. Yes. In that act, in that act of not assimilating and not speaking English as their primary language, and part of the the enabling comes from our own public school education, paid for almost entirely by tax dollars from people who are speaking English and who would vehemently disagree with the idea that we're enabling those who do not speak English. That's that's the upside down world. But here's the real world. Okay. That's the in theory, but on this program, we give you real world examples. My wife is a public school teacher in a school that is about 99% Hispanic. Aren't who, they all? Who knows? <laughs> no, not all, but, but most, um, except for the private ones. And not, you know, we don't obviously don't know the the percentage of illegals or second generation uh, right. illegals, right. but clearly a lot of parents of these children are illegal and certainly some of the the children themselves are illegal they get free first class breakfast yep free first class lunch lunch they get taught how to apply and the parents get taught too how to apply for all sorts of government benefits obamacare yep. food stamps so this yep. is our tax dollars being used uh to, to facilitate stealing more tax dollars. Right. Thank you for, for putting it more artfully than I was attempting to do. I've referred to this as an internment camp for future Democrats. Yeah, uh, of course. The, these kids are being taught, obviously everything about academia is liberal to begin with, but they're being taught to expect that the government's going to take care of everything. Literally, right. their, their lunch, their breakfast. You didn't uh, mention dinner because they're doing dinners now. Not at this school that I'm aware of, although they do get a very nice, fancy, color, glossy menu for the entire school year calendar for what they're going to get for breakfast and lunch every single day. I'm stunned it's in English. I, I, that, that was I'm sure there was a debate somewhere as to whether to put that in English or in, in Spanish. But here was the kicker. So recently, uh, my wife had back to school night. And you know, my wife has been a, lo- a teacher a long time in California. To, to your point about is, isn't it the same everywhere? No, there are places that are worse. Uh, and, <laughs> and she's never experienced what she experienced on back to school night. Most schools she's been, in fact, every school she's been to, the kids don't come to back to school night. In fact, they're not allowed to come to back to school night. At Why? Her, at, at, at her, well, because it's a parent deal. I mean, you don't. Oh, uh, oh, okay. So it's all parents. Okay. So it's parents. Right. The parents come to back to school night. They ask their questions, and you know, the kids meet aren't the teacher. Right, right. Meet the teacher, and they have a more honest conversation because there's no kids there. Gotcha. At this school, that's not the case. At this school, the kids come with the parents. And almost universally. And why is that? 
because the parents need a translator for the teacher. There you go. Because they don't speak English. There you go. And we're not talking about a small minority. We're talking about the majority, if not almost the totality, of the parents were there unable to speak English and had their kids translating for them. That's the real world, folks. And this is... This is a school district with a ton of money. This, these kids have the best facilities, the best computers. They've got the best, most highly paid teachers in the area. This, and these are all kids who are uh, almost certainly first, second, at best, third generation illegal alien. Um, okay, and, but wait. Is there a English requirement? Well, they're, they're taught English in the school. Okay. But... <laughs> I'm always uncertain as to what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not, but I'll just, heck, it's the John and Leah show, so I'll say it. I mean, (laughs) I I have seen paperwork showing that in my wife's best class, her best class, the best student in her best class was almost two years below average reading level. Exactly. Okay. Yes. See, I have a little experience with this because I went to a school in ninth grade, boarding school, and I was the only one that spoke English. And I got straight A's. Well, good for you. (laughs) And do you know how far behind I was when I went to a different school in 10th grade? That's interesting. How far? Way behind. So you got A's in ninth grade, and then by the time you got to 10th grade, you were behind in English. I was it I was behind in everything. Wow. Every subject because of course they slow it down. Yeah. Well, no, that's exactly right. The and this has nothing to do with necessarily directly illegal immigration, but the number one thing of many things that has changed in education since when I went to school and this is not hyperbole, this is not boy back in my day. This is <laughs> this is true. Is that when when I went to school, it was the best kids, the brightest kids, who set the pace for the class. Correct. Now you better keep up. Right, you better keep up. Now we don't let anyone fall behind. So we got Correct. So we have to worry about the dumbest kids in the class, and those are the ones that set the pace. So that's what clearly happened in in your situation. Yes. Um, and it's happening with my wife's uh, school as well. And there is a. I found this article. It's not directly related, but it's somewhat related. An article in the L.A. Times recently that I just found fascinating with regard to the generational differences with regard to illegal immigrants and and why and how this, this you know, to use my metaphor or the analogy of cancer, how the, the cancer has gotten so deep that we can't do the operation. I, you just won't change your mind, Leah, because you're stubborn. But this is what I'm talking about. This is in the L.A. Times. Headlines, headline, migrants hold generational views on status. This is an incredibly important couple paragraphs here because this, I think, crystallizes my argument. If caught by immigration officials, Anhal Estrada, 48 years old, already knows whom he will call and what hotel in Mexico he will meet his family at before beginning his life again in his hometown, uh, in Mexico. However, Estrada's daughter, daughter Carla, who's 24, half his age, reared in America since age of five, has no plans to leave so easily or quietly. 
She's quoted as saying, if they're going to deport me, they are going to have a very bad taste in their mouth, she said. I'm going to call this person, this organization, this lawyer. I'll get on Facebook, Twitter. I'm going to do a media circus. I'm going to stay in this country. Estrada and his wife, Gloria, came to a place he refers to as Pete Wilson's California, former governor of California, governor Republican, probably the last one there'll ever be, and real one, not Arnold Schwarzenegger, doesn't count, uh, at a time when hostility towards illegal immigration was high enough to get a tough-on-immigrant ballot measure, Proposition 187, which we referenced earlier, passed, being young and undocumented at a time when they could be easily rounded up during an immigration raid with nary a protest, they learned to keep their head low, to trudge along with every working day without drawing attention to themselves. Their daughter, again, she's 24, Carla, a recent UCLA graduate. Gee, I wonder who paid the tuition there. Hello. A, a UCLA graduate has grown up in a time of great digital interconnectedness with networks of immigrant activists ready to quickly wage battle on social media and via street demonstrations for people just like her. For Carla, her status as an illegal immigrant, although they don't use the word illegal, of course, because it's the L.A. Times. Her status as an immigrant in the country immigrant in the country illegally is not something to hide. Now, Leah, do you understand what I'm saying? That, no, I, that's the yes, proof right I, there where the cancer has gone too deep. At least right. here in California. When right. it gets California is a lost cause. When it gets to the point where the illegal immigrants are like, screw you. Yeah. I'm here. And, I'm proud. And you, know, and you can't do anything about it. And I'm going to go to UCLA on your dime. I tell you, and that's what makes the hostility towards the illegals. Because it's just infuriating. And it's uh, there's no gratefulness. There's no appreciation. Well, there's waving the Mexican flag at a USA soccer game and cheering Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's no assimilation. There's no uh, pride in being, uh, you know, America or part of America. Or, wow, I really love this country so much. I want to be a citizen. It's, you owe me. Give it to me. I. It's so this entitlement generation. It just makes me angry. If you want to come here and you come here legally, then by all means, because those people love this country. The illegals really don't love this country. They only love what they can get from this country. And that is uh, seriously the way I feel or else you'd wait your turn. All right, when we come back, uh, final segment of the program, a couple of other uh, news items from the uh, insane place that is the uh, Republic of California, the People's Republic of California, (laughs) when we return on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah show. And uh, in this segment, Leah, I wanted to uh, quickly go through uh, three new laws in the state of California. Oh, boy. (laughs) I just I can't take it. (laughs) uh, Well, you don't live here anymore, so be thankful for that. Thank goodness. Um, But we're on in San Diego, Los Angeles, and in Sacramento, where all this insanity originates from. 
Yeah, my uh, brother now lives in San Diego, so hit me. All right, well, um, there is a new law that when you get a driver's license in California, you are automatically registered to vote. Okay, wait a minute. You guys just passed for illegals. Does that cover them too? Of course. I'm sure that has. I'm sure that has nothing to do with why the Democratic Party decided that this was a good idea to make this a law. I'm sure that's purely coincidental that now this is a backdoor way to get illegal aliens registered. I'm sure. By the way, I haven't read the law. My guess is there's probably some bogus. Uh, you know, preventing of that from happening. Maybe not. I don't know. But the reality is, see, here, here's the number one thing people need to understand, which they don't, about laws and illegal immigration, whether it's Obamacare or yes. comprehensive illegal immigration reform or immigration yes. reform. Here's the number one thing. No matter what you put on paper, it's not going to be implemented that way. Because, That's right. Because the people doing the implementation are all liberal socialists who are very politically correct and afraid of their own shadows. And so anybody who's illegal has status as, a, as being PC protected. And therefore, if there's ever any question... They're going to get a pass. Correct. So that's why it's impossible to keep an illegal alien, if they want to, from voting. Because nobody's going to take away their precious right to vote. Because you oh don't boy, know. Boy, do they. Because <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't know for sure they're an illegal alien, and now it makes it even more difficult because if you get your driver's license, you're automatically registered. I'm pure, it's a pure coincidence that the Democratic Party wanted that. Uh, this one is, is pure insanity on so many levels. Uh, it is now illegal in the state of California for a public school to use the phrase or term or nickname Redskins. <laughs> Think about that. I'm for glad a they spent taxpayer money right. uh, putting that law into effect. How many schools or whatever does four. that affect? Four. Four. Four schools, which who, Great who, use. who apparently, by the way, this, this again, the layers of insanity here are so thick. The, the number one layer, as you just said, was is this really worth the state's time? Number <laughs> number two, number two, more importantly, it's actually insulting. To the schools that they couldn't decide this for themselves, yeah. right? So, so the the presumption is, right? I mean, this is the reality. All of those four schools had the option on their own to get rid of Redskins. But is this not the most racist thing ever? That the yes. state is saying we have decided for you, morons. <laughs> that's that's what the Democrats in Sacramento are saying. We have decided for you that because you're not acting. To end this alleged racism, which really isn't racism, we have decided that you're not allowed to use the phrase Redskins um, with your teams, no matter w how you perceive it, no matter how long it's been your nickname or part of your logo. We're going to do it for you. This is not a oh state issue. This is this is an issue that should be decided, if at all. At the local level, the school it's a manufactured issue. It doesn't even exist. They're making it into one. Of, well, and and you know it's funny you say that because the the people who are behind the bill, on a, in a knee jerk reaction in the quotes that I read, uh, touting the bill, they didn't even pretend that this wasn't about the Washington Redskins. They right. they they, they went out and out of their way to say this shows the momentum. Of our side of this debate and why it is that the Washington Redskins 
should be banned from using the term Redskins. That's what this is about. It's of ab- course it is. It's about the Washington Redskins. And for those that don't know, most people listening probably don't, uh, I got a website related to this that you got to check out, if only for two reasons. One, to see the hilarity of the T-shirt at our website. And two, to see my daughter, who was two years old at the time, and she's cute as a button. Uh, if you go to Redskins, with the letter S, Redskins, the letter T, shirt, RedskinsT-shirt.com. That's RedskinsT-shirt, the letter T, RedskinsT-shirt.com. You'll see... What we did with the Redskins logo to make fun of this entire bogus Redskins controversy, we put the the face of Elizabeth Warren, the Massachusetts Democratic liberal senator who claimed laughably to be a Native American. We put her face in the Redskins logo. There's a, a funny phrase at the top and the bottom of it. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, and like I said, you'll see my daughter modeling one of the T-shirts at RedskinsT-shirt.com. But so that is now banned in uh, the state of California, all four schools have had that decision taken out of their own hands, whether they oh, like it or not. thank goodness. Thank goodness. Right. That's that's right. Well, so we're not going to have any more elections in California because, I mean, we don't have them to begin with because the, no. the, the state is so overwhelmingly Democratic and all the districts are so gerrymandered that there's almost no competition. But now that uh, illegals will be able to backdoor uh, register, but not, not backdoor register, they're going to be registered. They're going to be registered. Automatically. Automatically. Government-sanctioned voter fraud in full effect. That, that, that's very well said. And Redskins is banned. But we, if, if there is one small sliver, uh, you know, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, depending on your perspective, although that might be an oncoming train. Um, if, you, if you've really had it with California and you can convince a doctor that you're sick enough, there's a new law allowing you to kill yourself in California. <laughs> So, so I guess this is all related. If you just can't take it anymore, the insanity of California, and you live long enough, and you get a doctor to you know sign off on this, physician-assisted suicide is now legal in California. Which, as a libertarian, I actually kind of agree with. No, I um, totally agree. I totally agree with that. It's uh, a good idea. Uh, ex- I don't want to suffer. Except, see, when this be- date, when this debate began. You know, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago, and it started to get really serious with Dr. Gavorkian. Yeah. I never really worried that much about the government overstepping its boundaries and, you know, taking the, the ability to, to regulate this and having it be dangerous. But now I don't, I trust the government so little, uh, both from a competence standpoint as well as an intent perspective, that now I do kind of worry. Wait a minute. You're going to be at the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, look, John Ziegler's number one. Yeah, look, I I am in total favor of you know once I hit seventy, I'm gonna make up something that I if I have to uh, to to off myself unless my no seventy's too young. Eighty, eighties, eighties it. No, it's gonna be seventy. No, no, I mean, I, <laughs> seven. I've actually it used to be sixty five. But, uh, you know, advances in golf technology have made me think, well, maybe I can play golf till 70. It'll be still worthwhile. Uh, advances in, in sex technology have, you know, also helped out a little bit there, I guess. But Wait a minute. You're the, not even going to be sick just once you hit the age? I got you got to come. I assume you got to come up with some sort of illness. Yeah. But doctors yeah. will sign off on anything if, you know, they like you. So yeah, that's my plan. And if, if all else fails, <laughs> yeah, because I like knowing the exact time and place 
it's a, you know, this is all going to be over with. I can say goodbye properly to the three people that give a damn, and you know, I can be on my way. If I have everything in order, that's the much, that's a much better way to do it. Like you know, this program is ending in in forty five <laughs> seconds. I know exactly when it ends. I can say goodbye, Leah. Uh, <laughs> see you next week. And there's no ambiguity about it. I like that. Okay, that's true. But I'm going to be sick before I take the pills. Well, okay. Or else I I'm just going to hang out. I understand. And that's good for you. See, you should have that option. As that's a libertarian, right. that's good. Exactly. All right. But that's the, that's, that's the rest of this program from the insane place that is California. I'll be back next week. Our podcasts, Monday morning at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Until next Sunday, I'm John Ziegler. She's Leah Brandon. This is The John and Leah Show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>